You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. As for the Grey Cup MVP in 2005, it was anybody who was able to sit through that Black Eyed Peas concert, but... <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Ready, set, hook! Brazilian Tide, Travis Cura, our Grey Cup preview Show yes, the 105th Grey Cup is here. Before we start talking football, Brazilian tie. When's the last time you were inside a McDonald's and not going through the drive-through? Um, it's been a while. Oh no! Well, maybe three weeks. We we gave up on Monopoly when I started getting stomach pains. Okay, that's a good reason to give up, I'd say. Well, like it was, it was for four days solid. It felt like somebody was like shoving a knife into the side of my stomach because I was eating it every day, sometimes three times a day. So I was like, I better stop. Well, I seem to have this tradition. Every time the team I'm cheering for gets their asses kicked to McMahon Stadium, we stop at the McDonald's in Airdrie. I have actually never seen a team that I'm cheering for win at McMahon Stadium. It's it's quite incredible, actually, the streak that I've I have. I've never even been there for a football game, and when I was cheering for Montreal in the Heritage Classic, they still got trounced. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, I walked into the one in Airdrie, Alberta, mm-hmm. and I walk in, and there's this guy that greets me. He's a customer experience representative. If I have any questions, I can direct them to him. Is this McDonald's or the f***ing Apple store? <laughs> Where the f*** is the McRib? <laughs> That's the only question I got. In the huddle on the Two It Out podcast. We'll try to make this show a little bit shorter so you can listen to it during your busy Grey Cup week, whether you're traveling there or whether, you know, you were just uh, watching it at home. Now, the ratings are in for the East and West Division Finals, and nothing, I don't think, short of amazing numbers here, an average of 1.41 million people watch the East Final between the Argos and the Riders, an average of 1.34 million people watch the West Final between the Stamps and the Eskimos. Even the pregame show had 660,000 people watching it, making it the third most what sports program of the day? The pregame show beat everything else on the Sunday in Canada. Yeah, and people were worried about ratings at the start of the year and how attendance might be going down, but once playoffs roll around, everything just seems to kind of come together for this league. Conspiracy this, conspiracy that. Uh, like <laughs> Ratings almost doubled in the GTA. Watching the Argos and Riders. I know the Riders are involved. Rider fans will take credit for the attendance bump. They will take credit mm-hmm. for the ratings bump as well. But this is a damn positive for the league. It's huge. It's your biggest market, and you have to get eyes on the product if you want to succeed. And they they did that this past weekend for sure. I just love those people that still have a mission to to trash the CFL. And I'm not talking media people. I'm just talking everyday people. They don't know about football. 
the, the, their football knowledge came from Madden, NFL football, and the PlayStation, and you trash the Canadian League? No, you do it because you're an idiot. I'm sorry, man. It is Grey Cup week, and if you can't respect the history of this league and the history of the Grey Cup, then you're a moron, especially if you're Canadian. I, I find it absolutely amazing, and maybe I'm going to rant for a little bit here. I find it absolutely amazing that Americans south of the border watch our game and legitimately appreciate it for what it is because they watch it with a different set of eyes, I think. And I know there are some Americans that listen to the show. I, I think our game is closely, more closely related to the NCAA game than the NFL game. Yes, there's less money in the CFL. Yes, there's less cameras, angles, uh, all of that stuff. But the Super there Bowl... There might be less money in the CFL than there is in NCAA. Yeah. On, ex- salary, on salaries, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially when it comes to coaches and all that stuff. But the Super Bowl was literally a, a marketing ploy. And you buy it hook, line, and sinker Canadians that consume American media every day and still pretend that, oh, we're not very closely related to Americans. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. But the, the, the Grey Cup, we're at 105 years. It was first presented in 1909, and you know the only time it was not presented? Um, no, nope, but I bet you're going to tell me. A world War. <laughs> and th- those went on for like four and six years <laughs> respectively. So there's just like one time like, okay, we're not going to do it this year. Like absolutely incredible. <laughs> you know, if you're Canadian, the crap's on the league, and you can look me in the eyes, and you can tell me Canadian kids do not deserve an opportunity to further their career in football. Can can you honestly say that to me? You're an absolute idiot. That is a douchebag oh, thing. That's a douchebag thing to say. Why would you say that? <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of it is we we tend to have a little man syndrome living in Canada. Um, like everything we get for media, unless it's CTV or CBC and now global, um, is Amer- and half the stuff that's on global is American programming anyway. Um, so you're used to getting all of that, um, and just the way that they they present their media, it's completely different. It's, you see it with the news and with their TV shows, um, and it's an inferiority complex, and you're afraid to say anything that's Canadian is good, which is a shame. Um, you see it with music, you see it with TV shows, um, it, and and sports, CFL specifically. Um, it. It's frustrating and infuriating at the same time, but I'm, I, I just, it, it's exhausting to have that argument with people all the time. It's just mentally and physically exhausting. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm basically done, you know, argue, arguing with these people, but I do think that enthusiasm is contagious. So if I continue to fly the flag of the riders, uh, my my favorite team, or just the league, or, or going to the Grey Cup. This is my ninth consecutive Grey Cup. I think that starts to spread a little bit, and people start watching it. And you can't deny it. How many players come out of the NCAA every single year? There are twelve hundred uh, institutions, you know, basically in the NCAA. So how many football players come out every year? How many jobs are available in the NFL? How many players come out of U Sports? 
<laughs> this is a damn good league. It's hard to get in, and we see more and more American players coming up, having a lot of success out here. A lot of times down south, it's the political game, too. Uh, not all those kids get to get noticed. Not all those kids get the scholarship at a big school, get to go to the big school to get noticed by the scouts. Man, there are some great players up here. It is a completely different game, and I'm just (laughs) – I think that the ratings this week for the Grey Cup are going to be huge. They're probably going to at least triple the East Final, maybe even quadruple. I'm just so excited. But fans, I'm just happy you're sticking in here and those idiots that don't know what they're talking about. I I think – I think a lot of them are starting to come around, and with more numbers like this, it's showing that they're just plain old wrong, I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and you look at just the difference between watching a CFL game and an NFL game. Nothing happens in an NFL game. Like, there's, what, 10 minutes of football in three hours? The 40-second the play clock, the clock rules, um, you know... In the CFL, you're under the gun. You, you you have to use your possessions, and you have to get stuff done. So it just makes it for a more exciting game. And that whole no lead is safe marketing uh, program that they had going a couple of years ago, it, it was true. Um, you know, it can be two minutes left, and you're down by two scores, and this, this game's far from over if you can get that one touchdown. Um, just with the clock rules, it just makes it such a more entertaining game. It was something like uh, around 45, 50 games this year were decided in the last three minutes of the game. Uh, there was some incredible football this year. And you know what? Last week I had to host Thursday night football at the bar and the game started at 625. The Oiler game started at seven and it was done before the football game. Yep. <laughs> like that that yeah. to the, me the, is wild. The two minute warning is a whole nother quarter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, right. It, it's so, if it's close, if it's, if it's a blowout, then it's nothing. All your, your, if nobody has any timeouts left, you're just taking knees. You don't have that in the CFL unless it's the final thirty seconds. So, I mean, it's just a disparity between the two leagues, and it just I, I find the CFL game way more entertaining. And I'm not even I could care less about everybody bitches about the talent level and how in the NFL it's so much better. Granted, they're drawn from a way bigger pool, and there's way more teams. So all those guys that are coming out of school that get drafted are going to have a shot. They're going to get and developed. The only way that we get guys from the States up here is with free agency. And then you have your negotiation list. So your ham- the CFL is hampering themselves that way. But players are going to develop at their own rate. You're still going to develop up here, and the game is just way more exciting. And it's just, like I said, stuff actually happens. I, I don't, I don't fall asleep during a CFL game very often. Well, not only that, but most of the play in the NFL, I think it's changed over the last few years. Happens inside the box. It needs a stronger player. It needs more leverage here, more speed, more running, more cardio. It's just so different. So I think the people that trash the league, I'm starting to think they really don't know all that much about football. So just shut up, stay in your mom's basement, and continue playing Madden. Let's talk about the Grey Cup. <laughs> The Argos against the Stampeders, the nine and nine Toronto Argonauts, the thirteen four and one Calgary Stampeders. Now, uh, this is one of those situations where the record for the Argos does not accurately represent what this team is right now. Over the last eight games, including uh, the East Final, they are six and two. James Wilder was not the starting running back for the Argos the last time 
they played uh, the Stampeders, which I think was actually in August. So they haven't played for quite some time here. And you know what? At the beginning of this season, I think so many people, me included, had this team absolutely written off. They did not have a GM for free agency. They really hardly had anything prepared for the draft. Tressman and Pop come in. They trade for SJ Green. Tressman, basically on his first day getting hired, says, Ricky Ray is our starter. I think that really helped the psyche of Ricky Ray, really helped his confidence going into the season, know that he has a coach that believes in him, that doesn't think he's done. And I think, you know what, at the beginning of the year, everybody was like, maybe Green and Ray are just done. And... They went and proved everybody wrong. There was a cool interview. Media Day started at the Grey Cup on Wednesday, and here's Ricky Ray talking about playing with SJ Green. I, I never one time thought that I was ever going to play with SJ. Um, you know, normally when you have a great player like that, they play for one team, and the team never lets them go. But um, once I found out, I mean, I was a little nervous. You know, I wanted to play good for him. Um, I knew what type of player he was, and um, I just wanted to to try and earn his respect and, you know, try and be able to make plays with them. So uh, definitely excited, but also a little bit nervous to play with them. You know, I thought that was very candid candid uh, from Ricky Ray, where he admits that he was nervous that he got to play with, you know, a receiver with the caliber of SJ Green. And I thought that was really a really cool moment with those two sitting beside each other and Ray, you know, admitting that, man, I'm a bit nervous to play with this guy. Yeah, and th- those are not exactly words I thought I'd ever hear come out of Ricky Ray's mouth, regardless of who he's no. talking about. This, this guy's seen everything in this league. He's done everything. Um, you know, nothing. It, it's hard to fool him. Um, Listening to the radio uh, two days ago, or it might have been yesterday on a podcast. Um, I forget who it was. It might have been Damian Cox. I know he's at Sportsnet, but you know he he's been a champ. He's been championing this league. He, he he's been a Ticats fan, he grew up in Hamilton, still loves this game. He compared Ricky Ray's demeanor and his attitude to that of Joe Montana. Um, not not saying that he was the next Joe Montana. Um, just, you know, cool, calm, collected, cool under pressure, and just gets the job done. Nothing seems to really shake him. Um, so hearing that he was nervous to play with Estray was kind of funny to me. Yeah, and it was just so cool, I think, to hear that with Ray. And that was a really cool moment, I thought. Both these players had absolutely amazing years. Uh, As for the Stampeders, I think at the beginning of the year, everybody thought they were going to come into this game mad, or in this year, pretty mad. And they were going to maybe walk all, all over everybody. And you know what? Early in the year, it looked pretty crazy. They, they tied Ottawa at the very beginning of the year. They had another one with Ottawa, and they beat them, but another great game. And then they really got on a roll, but you never really got the sense that they were clicking. You talked the last eight games for the Stampeders, five and three. Jerome Messam, 357 rushing yards in his last seven games. James Wilder, 752 absolutely crazy, but the defensive line, the defense, the focus of the Stampeders. Charleston Hughes had some fun words to say about Ricky Ray today. Ricky Ray's not difficult to take down at all. Um, I mean, he's he's one of the easier quarterbacks to sack because when he see you coming, he's going to turtle. Ooh! 
He doesn't pull any punches, does he? Why are people... Oh, quit giving the other teams bulletin board material. Shut your mouth and play the goddamn game. This is embarrassing because now you know if Charleston Hughes doesn't get a sack on Sunday, which I'm, I'm probably guessing he will, um, but if, if they don't get an abundance of sacks and they lose this game, he looks like a freaking idiot. <laughs> it is bulletin to board material. I totally agree. They're gonna they're gonna have that you know uh, on the bulletin board reminding Ricky and Hughes did say in the interview this game is all about quick passes now. It is really hard to sack the quarterback. He has led this league in sacks this year and last year, but both of these defensive lines are tops in the league. Both of them lead the league with fifty sacks. A piece that is going to be a big key in this game, I think, coming up on Sunday. You have to keep your quarterback upright and off the ground. It, it doesn't matter if it's the Grey Cup or Game One of the season. Um, if if your quarterback doesn't have time and he's get under pressure and getting his ass whipped, you're not going to win that football game. So these O lines are going to be in for a hell of a matchup on Sunday, regardless of which one it is. The Argo defensive line had fun against Bo Levi Mitchell earlier in the year. Eight quarterback pressures, eight sacks. As for the Stampeders against the Argos, 15 pressures and six sacks. So the defensive lines in this game, they might be putting on a show on Sunday. It might be actually a pretty defensive matchup, but when I say it is a completely different Argonauts team, they did lose the two earlier matchups to the Stampeders. They were outscored 64-31. to They were out just about everything. In fact, Cody Fajardo ended up being the leading rusher against the Stampeders this season with 55 yards. So that is a big key to one of the games as well. And that's the argument. Ricky Ray may not be the most outstanding player, but he's definitely the most valuable to his team. Oh, I, he's a field general. I I don't know how else to put it. It's it. He reads the defense so well, and I don't even know if he really needs to. <laughs> to be honest, he, he's like he only needs to throw the ball four or five yards down the field, um, and he releases it so quick that it's it's hard to get to him. Um, the O line has played pretty well the last couple weeks, and you know he's got S J Green and Amartya Edwards. He's got guys that if he gets the ball to them, they can make plays, and that that's what this offense needs to do. They're gonna have to find a way to maybe find that soft spot in the Calgary secondary. Um, you know the front seven are going to be coming, whether it's for Wilder or for Ricky Ray. So he's going to have to get that ball out early and you know, just hope that his guys can make a play for him. Pretty good old lines in this one. The Eskimos allowed 29 sacks on the season. Calgary, 30. What's phenomenal is that eight of those actually came from the Argos. Uh, the Argos allowed it allowed 40 sacks so maybe ray is a little bit easier to sack but yeah that does include fajardo in that one as well the argo defense is highly underrated they have the best rushing defense in the cfl they allowed under 1500 yards the stampeders allowed 1535 on the ground the stamps through the air best passing defense in the league but <laughs> nobody on a west division yeah. all-star team from that secondary kate whatever which is crazy so they're first in that category <laughs> 4582 yards the argos third in the league that's 
not bad at all. The Argos, on the offensive side, they're second in the league in passing. They are seventh in the league in rushing. I do suspect that would have been higher if Wilder, if they he started the season as their running back. The Stampeders, sixth in rushing, but second in points for first in points against the Argos are sixth and fourth in, in those categories, respectively. That Toronto defense snuck up on a lot of people. It did. Um, you know, Montreal leases Bear Woods for reasons that are a joke, frankly. And, you know, Mark Tressman and Jim Pop know exactly who Bear Woods is. So, of course, they're like, yeah, we'll take him. Um, that, that front seven, I mean, I don't... <laughs> Calgary's friend Steven is a little younger. Um, you know, they got the likes of Alex Singleton. Um, you know, the guy the guy's a monster, but that front seven of Toronto is pretty much just as good as that front seven of, of Calgary, maybe even a little better, especially against the run. So um I just, man, these two teams just they seem to match up so well that I think it's just gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a matchup on Sunday and it's it's gonna be so much fun to watch. It's going to be, I think, a tight defensive battle. Hey, they could surprise us and put on a offensive shootout because they certainly have the capabilities of uh, doing that. But uh, we'll see what happens when it comes to the scoring in this one. I think we might be uh, taking the under on this one. Toronto is undefeated, six and zero when they win the t- turnover battle. Calgary is ten and two. Toronto seven and one with leading after three, and Calgary is eleven and one. So getting the lead in this one may be the key for these teams. If you if you get a lead, you have to not let up. You have to play, you have to keep your game plan. I don't understand why coaches deviate from that. Um, you got you got a foot on the gas, but I'll keep it there. Um, as for having that lead late, I mean, you got to you got to protect the ball and both teams do this when they win the by winning turnover battles. Um, you know, Toronto hasn't lost a game when they win a turnover battle. There's something to be said for ball security for sure. Um, you know, if you're giving the ball up, you're just digging yourself a hole you're not going to be able to get out of. So both these quarterbacks take care of the ball fairly well. Um, granted, Bo Levi and his Grey Cups hasn't had the best ratio. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But, I'm, um, you know, if, if whoever gets his lead, if they have a lead late, both of these teams have a running back too that can run down run down the clock and make it really hard for the other team to come back. So, it it these teams are just it's ridiculously close. And Toronto finished at nine and nine, and everybody kind of throughout the years like, wow, they shouldn't even have a home playoff game and all this stuff. It was it, it's not their fault that that's the way the schedule is. These are the top two teams in each division, which is how how it's designed to work in this system, and that's exactly what we got. And they're both the number one team in their divisions for a reason. These teams match up. Like it's way too close. It's so close it's ridiculous and you wouldn't even think that coming in. The coaching matchup in this one is also fascinating. Wednesday at the Grey Cup Festival, Terry Jones from Edmonton asked his annual question of whether the players or they care if the players engage in sexual activities leading up to the game. Tressman threw the question to Dickinson and I thought he had the perfect response. Since we both answered the question through the years maybe I could ask you media guys if you guys are okay with having sex during the week of the Grey Cup because uh, you've got a job to do so uh, as players so do we and uh, I'd rather leave it at that as well. Media guys getting any? I don't think so. 
uh, I've seen that lot, and uh, like I thought, my chances were bad. <laughs> Tressman has come back into the league and basically taken taken over right where. He left off here. He's got a what a six and three playoff record, and his regular season record's even better. Yeah, and he's got the same situation he had in Montreal. He's got a veteran team, um, and that defense is added with the addition of Sean Lemon from last year and Bearwoods this year. Like they've got the veterans on that defense, much like those teams in Montreal had for Tressman. Um, you know, it, it's not that big of a difference for him to for him to go from that or to go from that Montreal team to this Toronto team. Um, He didn't have a quarterback when he was in Chicago. So, I mean, you can just throw that out the window basically, but it, this is not what I expected to happen. I don't know why I didn't expect it to happen. It's like you said last week, Mark Tressman and a veteran quarterback, and this is just what they do. And Dave Dickinson, he has been groomed over a period of time from one of the greatest to ever stand on the sideline, John Huffnagel, and it, it just seemed like the team didn't change at all when Dickinson, you know, officially took over as the head coach over the past two seasons. They are twenty-eight six and two. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, Bo Levi as a starter has now lost nine games. Come on, like that's insanity. Like Dickinson was the OC. So, I mean, the offense, it hasn't changed really that much. Maybe a couple little different tweaks here and there. But for him to move from OC to that head coaching position, he probably left in the offense because they know it works. So, I mean, and this group's been together. Granted, there's been movement with the receivers and moving Derek Dennis out last or at free agency because, you know, they're a cap-conscious team um, more so than others that, it's next guy up for them. Like we've seen the last 10 years, really. So um, in that respect, every, this, this group's been together and they know what works. They know how to win football games. So, I mean, they just keep rolling through regular seasons. And when it comes to playoffs, it, it's a different animal. And just there's years where it just seems like they're not quite ready when they get there. So I don't know if that's coaching or if that's just the, the 18 game schedule. And, you know, you're winning 15 games. You don't face a lot of adversity. So uh, it, it could be both. It could be six and one, half a dozen the other. And I, but it, when it comes to playoffs, it just seems to be different for the Stamps. So I'm just wondering if that's going to be the case on Sunday. Let's talk about these two teams meeting in previous Grey Cups. They first met in 1971. The Stamps took that matchup 14-11. to They next met in 91. Argos took that one 36-21. And... They also met in the 100th Grey Cup with the Argos winning 35-22. Stampeders with only one first down of the game. Second and ten. Glenn throwing. And that one is intercepted. Pacino Horn. Inside the Pacino Horn, I think one of the greatest names in CFL history. But the Stampeders... Fan, and their fans were served up a Kevin Glenn special in that 100th Grey <laughs> Cup. Uh, <laughs> it was the last game that Ricky Ray, or last Grey Cup game that Ricky Ray has appeared in. And the stats for Ricky Ray on the big stage 
are something else. He's played in four Grey Cup games. He's got three rings. He won the MVP in 2005. He's passed for over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, two on the ground, two interceptions, and just under 65% completion percentage in Grey Cups. Ricky Ray comes to play on the big day. Yes, I meant to do that. <laughs> um, I want to touch on the best name in the, that we have in the CFL. What about we had a guy named Rocket? Yeah, well, that wasn't his <laughs> real name. No, but that's what everybody called him. <laughs> that's, so that's that's what a, I, that's what I'm going with. That's a um, darn good name too. I agree. And as for the Grey Cup MVP in 2005, it was anybody who was able to sit through that Black Eyed Peas concert. But <laughs> um, when it comes to Grey Cups, Ricky Ray, like you said, he's only lost one, and that was his first one in '02. And then he comes back the next year against Montreal again and beats them. And then again in 05, like this guy gets to the big stage and and does nothing but produce. He's got 304 yards of passing on average. That, that's huge for a championship game. It's ridiculous. And eight touchdowns of two interceptions is just as ridiculous. Like the, the guy is just made for, for clutch moments. As for Bo Levi, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Of course, he's a lot younger. He's been in two Grey Cups, one, one. Lost one. He was the MVP in 2014 against the Tiger Cats. He has thrown for 725 yards in those two games. But the big one here, he's thrown for two touchdowns and four interceptions in those two games. And the completion percentage is just under 71%, though. So kind of a mixed bag when it comes to Bull Levi in the big game. In all reality, he should be 0-2. Yeah, he should be. I know he Tiger Cat be. fans are um, banging their head on the wall. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a penalty. doesn't matter yeah. if it's the first game of the year or the Grey Cup. For sure. Um, but like, he, he got lucky in that one. But to, like, he, he's got more passing yards on average than Ricky Ray does. I get that. But it's only it's a smaller sample size. It's only two games. Um, but that, that four picks really stands out. To me, I know I know his completion rating is pretty high, but um, if you're turning the ball over, especially in playoffs or in the Grey Cup, it, you're digging yourself a hole, and uh, you know it's it's hard to get out of. And if you're giving the ball to Rick, there's these are the two quarterbacks, maybe two out of the three quarterbacks you don't want to give the ball to in this league, and the other one being Mike Riley. That if you give him the ball um, on a turnover, it's going to be points. And out of those three, so I mean. If you're giving the ball to Ricky Ray, you're asking for a world of hurt. So he's got to clean that up. Um, last year as well, like there's, it went to overtime. I get it, but like they had a chance to close that game out and they didn't. So um, I don't know if it's recency bias, but uh, he's just proven to me that he doesn't do what it takes to get the. I know he got MVP in 2014, but it, it, he hasn't proven anything in a Grey Cup to me that says that he can get the job done without a little bit of help. Ricky Ray. Made the Riders play, pay last week off of turnovers, off of penalties. The Stamp... So did Kevin Glenn. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the Stampeders, traditionally they're very disciplined. And it does seem like at times they can give up the big play. And the Eskimos showed that last week. So maybe Ray is going to take some deep shots to SJ Green, to Devere Posey in this game. But <laughs> the Stampeders have shown that they have all the poise in the world. No matter how much they're down, they can always come back. They were down 14 nothing last week. They were down last year in the Grey Cup. 
you cannot take your foot off the pedal when you're playing this Calgary team. No, you, you can't. And you can't really do that against any team right. in this league because it's it's so easy to come back. Um, you know, I, I attribute that to the waggle. I mean, the, the, this is a receiver's game. They've got such an advantage over over the DBs that it's it's ridiculous. And it, it, it makes comebacks happen. It makes it more exciting. Um but if Calgary gets a lead, they better figure out a way way to close this one out because if they if they have to keep punt if they got to keep punting the ball and it doesn't matter if you give Ricky Ray a long field, um, he's gonna he's gonna flip field position on you at the very least seventy percent of the time, and you're and you're gonna be back in a worse position than you were before. So you've, you've got to finish drives, and, and you know settling for field goals isn't gonna win this game, um, I don't think. Um, so if you get in the red zone or anywhere close, you, you've got to punch that ball in. And you know, Calgary's offense last week looked didn't look good to start the game, but they came into their own and turned that around. So I mean, it, they just they got to stick to to their game plan. And like you see, keep, keep composure. And um, you know, if they take care of the football, it could be a totally different story than it was last. The key year. for the Argos last week was to succeed. I think. In the red zone, in the two games earlier this season against the Stampeders, they made it to the red zone five times. They scored two touchdowns. They better get that to about three or four touchdowns if they're going to be uh, into this game with the Stampeders. Yeah, because uh, when Calgary gets down in the red zone, they have a tendency to make stuff happen. Um, Bo Levi has that knack to to find somebody in the end zone, um, whether it be a rub route or a pick route, you know, they they finished drives. They scored three out of six um, red zone TDs. So um, if you're Toronto, you better figure that out and figure it out early because if you're settling for field goals, believe I'm just going to do the same thing that I said Ricky Ray would do to Calgary. Like the, These two quarterbacks, for as much different style as they play, it seems on, when you watch a game, they're two of the best at their craft. So... Um, you know you can't you can't fall too far behind because these guys can just bury you. The mayor of Calgary and the mayor of Toronto have made the customary bet already. The losing mayor will contribute five dollars for every point scored to the winning team's food bank, which is pretty cool. Good for them. The losing mayor will also send the winning mayor a selection of local craft beer. Hey. Now we're talking. <laughs> you, if Toronto wins, you might just be hanging out there for a while, eh? Just waiting for that shipment. In addition, the losing mayor must wear the winning team's jersey and read a poem written or selected by the winning mayor at their next council meeting. I love simple stuff like this. That being said, Brazilian tie. Time to lock in the pick. The 105th Grey Cup in Ottawa, Ontario. Who are you picking? It it pains me either way. I picked this game ninety, the the mid nineties are still fresh, and I hate Calgary as well. But I gotta go with Ricky Ray and the Toronto Argonauts. This is unreal. <laughs> is this real life right now? Never get over you. <laughs> <laughs> It is real life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that hurts the soul to play, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can continue. I 
have a really hard time betting against the Stampeders in this one. I think that they are zoned in, and they should be, a lot more focused than they were last year. They straight up admitted that... You know, they were going out, they were having fun, they were enjoying Toronto, they thought they had it in the bag. They cannot do that this year, and I don't think they will allow themselves to do that this year. It has basically become an open competition at running back. They're pushing Jerome Messam to be the best he can be. That bye week to get ready for the West Final has got him healthy. I know the Argos are the best rushing defense in the league, but... I don't think they're going to pull tie cats and lose two gray cups in a row. I think it's going to be the Stampeders on Sunday. Sweet, sweet city woman. I guess we should let everybody know that you will not be making it to Ottawa, Ontario. Yeah, all the, all the ladies are going to be so disappointed, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man, Grey Cup will not be the same without you, my friend. So have fun in uh, Fort Mac doing your thing. Well, I'm just thinking at least you and Taylor won't have to babysit this yeah, year. Yeah, that's a positive. I mean, that's a, that's a positive, right? <laughs> um, well, I'm hoping we're out of here Saturday night and I can drive home. Sunday morning, but we'll we'll see what happens. Either way, I'm if I got to work Sunday, she's going to be a short All day. All right, that is good to hear. Now, this is a cool thing: the Grey Cup Festival. Every year, they have Radio Row, so players and coaches that are available stop by there for interviews, things like that. Now, they've also let members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network uh, kind of set up podcast row so friday afternoon i'll be sitting in on podcast row i might be coming out with a an abbreviated episode for you friday night and we'll have some player guests or whoever's going to stop by uh we're going to have a lot of fun on friday and maybe we could get a short gray cup review sunday night brazilian ty and myself we'll see what happens how I'm feeling <laughs> after the Grey Cup game. Because I know on Monday, my wife and I, we're going to hop on the bus and head to Montreal for the game. We're going to go or for the day. We're going to go to a Habs game, eat a bunch of smoked meat and things like that. But otherwise, uh, yeah, we will be talking to you very soon from the Grey Cup. If you're going, come by and uh, say hi. And don't be shy. Like I look like a big goof that could be mean, but... I am totally not. <laughs> I, I, the jury's still out on that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, thanks for coming on Facebook, Twitter at Two and Out CFL. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you from the 105th Grey Cup. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.